Father God, we do thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that it teaches us, it challenges us, it rebukes us, it corrects us, and it trains us in righteousness. And that it is your will that we should read this passage this evening. So we pray, Father, that as we have, that your spirit would be moving amongst us, that you would be um, pointing us to your truth, that you would be opening our eyes to the things we need to hear. Uh, Lord, and I pray that your spirit would be working in us, and Lord, particularly in like this area of gifts. Lord, would you help us to know how you have gifted each of us for the sake of the body, the church. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, one of the um, duties of being an, an elder of a church like this is that you, you have to discuss issues that are raised, that, that come up as part of the, the life of the church. And, and recently, I received a letter, or the elders received a letter. Normally, we don't do this sort of thing, but I figured it was quite relevant for, for this type of meeting. And uh, Dave Sims, who is the elder in charge of the music group, wrote us a letter. Let me read this to you. Um, to the elders... As the elder responsible for the music in the church, I must make you aware of a few challenges that we've been facing as a band recently. While at rehearsal one Sunday, Jason, our drummer, announced he was leaving the band. He told the rest of the team that after watching Michael Bateman shred some serious bass guitar for the past few years, Jason has come to the conclusion that he could never play the bass like Bateman and he can no longer be part of the band. Sad news, isn't it? As you can imagine, that left us all a bit short-handed and a bit shocked, uh, particularly in the percussion department, especially considering one of our other drummers, Alan, had decided that he should give up playing the drums and start to sing instead. Because the singer gets all the spotlight and he's fed up for being mistaken for the other drummers each week. However, I'm a little concerned because during our last practice, he was singing and we started to hear a faint sound of dogs howling in the distance. I'm sure it will be okay, though, as he is praying that next week he will, by next week he will have received the gift of singing in tune. Please, please, please join with us in praying for this miracle, too. <laughs> One final change that I must bring to your attention is that after Jason let everybody know the reason for leaving the band, he made, it, uh, he made public to the rest of the musicians, it caused a bit of a stir to the effect that they all agreed that Jason, with Jason that the bass guitar was, in fact, the coolest and most important instrument in the band. So as from next week, we are all foregoing our usual instruments of piano, organ, drums, guitars, and electric guitars. Instead, we will all be playing the bass guitar, led by Bateman. Um, we hope some of his youthful groove will impart on the rest of us. So just to clarify, Jason has left the band, Alan will be now singing as leader, and the rest of the band will be playing bass. I must admit, it's making rehearsals really tense, and we've begun to argue quite a bit about the best way to sway while holding the guitar. If these tensions continue, I think some people might leave the band, or even the church, to find other places where their newfound gifts will be better used and appreciated. Anyway, the important thing is that we all do what's best for us, right? Any wisdom would be greatly appreciated. Dave Sims. All right, just, just to clarify, that is not a real letter that we received. Um, that is not the kind of letter that Dave sends us. Dave, in fact, doesn't send us letters. But it, it is a strange letter, isn't it? But it, but it does highlight kind of what I, 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 the kind of letter that I think Paul must have received, only less comical, from the church in Corinth. Um, you see, uh, the church in Corinth were, were, were using lots of, of, of um, what they called spiritual gifts openly in, in the church services as part of their gathering. And um, there were lots of discussions about the use of these gifts. And we'll be looking at some of these gifts a little bit this evening. And they, and they started to say that some gifts were obviously more important than others. 
So then they would argue about who might have that gift and who should be speaking more in church. Um, Some people would pray loudly in in tongues, um, but there was no one to interpret, so nobody understood what was going on. Uh, There was no interpreter there so it could be made to understood. Some people were standing up and proclaiming loud prophecies. And then before they'd even finished, somebody else might stand up and start to proclaim a prophecy as well. And they would be interrupted. There would be disagreements. And it would be very, very confusing for outsiders as they came into the building. Um, This led to people in the church feeling like they probably don't belong. Maybe they they don't have the same gifts as that guy over there, so maybe they don't really fit in. Um... Maybe they should have better gifts than the ones they have, so they might look more impressive and feel more of the part. Um, That's what was important. And Paul writes these chapters, 12 to 14, to address some of these issues that they're facing around concerning spiritual gifts and their use within the corporate body. And um, over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at 12, 13, and 14 as Paul answers this question. And you may have major questions about spiritual gifts, and we may give you some of those answers as we go through over the next couple of weeks, but I don't want you to try and think that this is, these next three weeks are going to be the, 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 the definitive things that you could possibly learn about the spiritual gifts. Many people have debated and discussed them for many, many years. What our intention is going to be is to get to the heart of what Paul wants the Corinthian church to learn, to deal with their problems so that they can function better as a church. So that's where we'll be focusing. And I think the plan is that on the, um, I'm pretty sure that on the, when we do the, full, um, when we look at chapter 14, we will have an opportunity for a Q&A afterwards so we can answer some more of your questions that maybe won't have been raised as we go through. So if you have questions, jot them down and in a few, few weeks we'll have an opportunity to discuss them together um, as part of our evening service. And we've got to do it now because I've just said so. So there we go. I've got three headings for us tonight to go through. The first one is um, one spirit, different gifts. One spirit, different gifts. And we'll be looking through verses 1 to 11 on this. Um, The first thing Paul wants to point out um, as as he starts on this issue is that he wants to remind the, the, the church of Corinth of their greatest gift, which is salvation. Look at what he says. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray by mute mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one is speaking by the Spirit says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Spirit. First thing he's saying is, look, remember where you were. You were pagans. You were out there in the world. You were were speaking to, to, to gods who can't speak to you mute idols, wasting your time, and then you were rescued by Jesus and you were brought into the church family, and now you are saying, Jesus is Lord. The Spirit of God is at work in you. Now, of course, people can physically say Jesus is Lord, but what he's saying is, look, people who have been genuinely saved by Jesus, who've been brought into his family, who say Jesus is Lord, and they live under his lordship, there's only one way they can do that, and that's because the Spirit of God is at work in them. And that's really helpful for us to be reminded as we think about this issue that can divide many, many Christians in, in conversation and in beliefs. We have many views on these kind of things. It's this. It's so important to remember that even if we disagree on some of these issues that we're going to be thinking about over these next few weeks, we have the same Lord, the same Spirit 
is working in us. The Holy Spirit is working amongst his people. If you are a believer today, if you love the Lord Jesus, the Spirit of God is at work in you. There aren't second-class Christians who the Spirit isn't working amongst. There are only Christians who the Spirit is at work in. And that's so important as we begin this topic. It's worth remembering that. But while we're all gifted, We're all gifted, um, and we serve in different ways. So let's look at verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them, um, in everyone, is the same God at work. So the first thing to, to, to kind of just point out is that everyone is gifted. You see that? In the end of verse 6, in all of them, in everyone, it's the same God at work. It's the same thing three times, basically. And what he's saying is, look, Everybody is gifted by the Spirit. Everyone who calls Jesus Lord is gifted by the Spirit. The Spirit is at work in them, and He is distributing His gifts. God is at work in the life of believers. And verse 7 is probably the central verse in this passage. If you forget everything else, remember that verse 7 is where you should go to to get to the heart of this. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. See, God is making himself known through his people. As the Holy Spirit works in the life of believers, what, what is happening is the Spirit is manifesting himself. He's revealing himself through people. And that revelation will always be to the common good. It will always be for the building up of the church, for, for, for helping people to grow in their walk with Jesus. It's always about that. That's how the Spirit manifests himself, by gifting us to build one another up in love. That's how he works. And as he does that, it will look different for many, many, in many, many different ways. And he gives a list of gifts, and we'll just go through these quite quickly. Um, the first thing he says in verse 8 is, to, the one, who's, to one there is given um, through the Spirit the message of wisdom. And then to another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. Now, there's lots of debate as to precisely what the difference between the gift of wisdom and the gift of, of knowledge is. Perhaps um, the gift of wisdom is, 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 is the ability to have spontaneous insights of wisdom given by the Spirit, and the, and the gift of knowledge is, is to be able to, to know things that maybe are unknowable any other way than if, if spirit, the Spirit tells you. But we don't really know. There's not as if there's a definition given anywhere in Scripture for these gifts. Um, and then it says, to another, faith by the same Spirit. Well, we all have faith, don't we? We all have faith. But maybe there is a gift, and I think this is true, for some people who are able to trust in God's promises in extraordinary ways under really, really difficult circumstances. Perhaps that's what that means. Or maybe it's the gift to enable to bolster other people's faith as they're struggling with questions of faith themselves. To another, the gift of healing. The ability to heal, perhaps through prayer. It's probably more likely that, um, that, that God... It's saying here that there were people that God um, might choose to answer more regularly through prayer than for others. Um, that's a question that many people have debated. Um, another one, to, 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 to another, given miraculous powers, um, people in, in, in the book of Acts were able to do miraculous things, things that nobody else could do. They were able to repeat some of the miracles of Jesus. Um, then to another, distinguishing between spirits, there's debate over what this means as well. Maybe the ability to have insight of, of, of what's going on behind the scene. Uh, to another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. You've probably heard of tongues before. 
big debates going on about what tongues actually is. Uh, for many people, it's, it's a kind of an ecstatic utterance of, 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 of free speech, uh, being able to speak in a, a language of prayer and praise that, that, that doesn't sound like any human language. For many people, believe that's a, possibly a heavenly language. Um, other people view it in, in, in a ministry, ministry context where, where you can um, speak in languages that other people can understand. And that, as in the book of Acts, there's many debates as to what these gifts mean. And still, to another, the interpretation of tongues. I think that one probably is the simplest to understand out of all of them. And all I would say is, you know, I have my views on what, what some of these gifts mean, but many of them, to be honest, I don't really fully understand them. Um, because, like I said, the Bible doesn't give us a, a definitive description of what each of these gifts are. We can make some wise guesses based on, on how they're used in the book of Acts and in other letters. We can do that. But I don't think the point here is that we spend our time figuring out what these gifts are. Paul didn't describe them all in detail for us so that we would understand all of them in every way from reading this passage. What he's saying is, look, there are all these gifts that, that, that are going on in your church at the moment, in your specific context, that God has blessed you with. They're all different. God has given them out. The Spirit has given them out to people as He sees fit. But I don't think this is a definitive lift of what all the spiritual gifts are. There, are. there are other lists in the New Testament which describe other things as spiritual gifts. Some things that sound surprisingly ordinary, like, like the gift of hospitality, for example. You know, I think what, and, you, and I don't think we're supposed to amalgamate all those lists and then come up with a, an ultimate list and say, these are the definitive spirit, spiritual gifts. I don't think it works that way. I think God gifts his people in the ways that they need for the sake of building up the church at any given time. God knows what his church needs, and he will gift the church those gifts, whatever they may be. And in this room today, everyone, if you love Jesus, you are gifted with a spiritual gift. There are things that you can do that nobody else can do. You see, there are, there are plenty of things that Paul couldn't envisage that didn't make it into the lists in the New Testament. For example, as I look around here, I know there are some of you with the gift of jam making. Jam making for the kingdom of God. Wonderful gift. I know some of you have a wonderful gift of praying. Being able to pray deeply and meaningfully into people's lives. Some of you have a gift for medical mission. You know, that God has given you gifts that you can use to take the gospel to parts of the world that I couldn't go to. Because the Lord has gifted you in this area. I know some of you have the gift of bass playing, like Bateman. Okay? Some of you have the gift of leading youth work. And you're able to speak to young people in, in their context in a way that other people won't be able to do. Some of you have a gift of leading worship. Some of you have a gift of in-touch folding, really important ministry. Some of you have a gift of writing quizzes. Some of you have a gift for health and safety checking. I mean, there are all these kind of things that maybe Paul didn't have in mind when he was writing his different lists in the New Testament, but they are gifts that God has given to his people at this specific time for the sake of building up the church. God has perfectly planned every person and every gift expression in this room to fulfill the needs of this church and the church wider. Verse 11, all these things are the work of the one same Spirit and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Here's the one dishing out the gifts. We're the one receiving them. Here's the one who decides who to give them to. Everyone is gifted by the Spirit 
according to his will. I just want you to think about the moment. If, if that's the case, think about the, the, the irony of boasting about the gifts that you've got. Think about that for a second. Now I've got an example over here. I've got this um, bird, these bird boxes. These bird boxes were made by men's shed. Beautiful bird boxes. You can buy them eight pounds each. Now, now, could you help me out? Could you tell me what tools do you think were used to make these bird boxes? You can shout them out, please. Help me out. Who's gonna, what tool do you think the men's shed used? Screwdriver. They used a screwdriver. Look, you can see they've got screws in the sides there. The screwdriver's essential. What else? What other sort of tools were used? A saw. Yeah, obviously they used different types of saws. Now, these are really, really straight angles, so they weren't cut by me, that's for certain. Um, anything else? So a plane, yes, absolutely, not an aeroplane, but like a plane that you're going to smooth the bits out the end. Yeah, what else? Paintbrush, yeah, because it's been painted beautifully at the top. Anything else? Drills, yes, yeah, somebody must have been drilling in there, absolutely. Oh, I can see another couple of things here that needed a bit of a whack. What, what do you use to whack with? A hammer, fantastic, brilliant, hammer. Yeah, you see, there are all these different tools that the craftsmen at the men's shed used to build these beautiful bird boxes that you could have for only eight pounds. You see? But the, th- but the thing is this. Wouldn't it be odd if the hammer boasted in its ability to make a bird box? Wouldn't it be odd if the saw spent its time boasting in its ability to, to, to cut wood? It would be strange, wouldn't it? Because the tools are in the hands of the, the master craftsmen to make such beautiful boxes. And in fact, the tools themselves were shaped and molded into what they are by another ma- master craftsman, right? They, they, didn't, they didn't earn the right to be a saw. They didn't earn the right to become a screwdriver. They were made that. They were, it, it was put upon them by someone beyond them, by their creator. And they're only useful in the hands of the creator. And that's the same for us. We all have different gifts. We've been molded by God into different shapes with different giftings for different purposes for the sake of building up the body. And the point is, it's God who's using his tools in this context. We are the tools of the living God for the sake of building up the church and making his glory known to the world. You can't boast about that. It's crazy to boast. We're hammers. We're sores in the hands of the living God. So we've got one spirit, different gifts. And the second thing I want us to think about is we have one body, many parts. Verses 12 to 14 say this, but as, the bo- but as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit, so as, for, as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, we, we were all given one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Isn't the human body an amazing thing? The human body is, is, is fascinating. Did you know that, I'll just give you a few facts that you can think about the human body, things that like you can Google and find out for yourself. Did you know that, that a newborn baby has 300 bones? Did you know that? But by the time the newborn baby is an adult, there are only 206. I don't know what happens to the other 94. But, but maybe they merge together, I don't know. But, but, but God has designed the human body in a way that a baby has more bones, maybe so that it's more flexible, so it can do its job. Um, did you know that a quarter of your bones are in your feet? 
you know how intricate your feet are? You use them every day. You know, they're, they're, they're beautiful pieces of machinery that we take for granted. You know, our feet are amazing. Did you know this is interesting? Well, there are more than 100,000 miles of blood vessels in your body that, that are required to make you you. 100,000 miles of blood vessels. Did you know that your stomach acid can dissolve metal? And if it touched your skin, it would burn right through it? Did you know that? I didn't know that. Aren't you grateful that it's, that it's in a stomach that's designed to hold it? And that it's in exactly the right place at exactly the right time? Aren't you grateful for that? Did you know the jaw muscle is the strongest muscle in the human body? Needs to be, otherwise you wouldn't be able to eat your food. Now, I, I love megapixels in my cameras, but you know my, my current camera has 12 megapixels. Woo-hoo-hoo. But the human eye has the equivalent of 576 megapixels. Your, your eye is amazing. Did you know that 50% of the strength in your hand is found in your little finger? If you lost your little finger, you'd lose 50% of the strength of your hand. You know how important that little finger is? It's really, really important in your body. This is an interesting one. The human heart pumps 182 million liters of blood around your body in your lifetime. 182 million liters. And right now, it's pumping blood around. And it's not going to stop until you're taken home to glory. Isn't that amazing? Do you know that that 50,000 cells in your body died and were replaced by new ones while I was reading that sentence? 50,000 cells. Shall I read it again? That would be 100,000 cells. Isn't it amazing that your body is just, just an awesome piece of machinery designed by an awesome God who knows exactly how to place every part of your body in exactly the right place so that it would work and function in such a way that... It's just amazing. You know, and he says, Paul is saying that God has placed his people in the church in specific places at specific times so that the church is just as intricately designed as the human body. It's perfectly planned by God. The church is as amazing an organism as the human body. And you and I make up the parts in that body. See, the Corinthians, the Corinthians were ranking their gifts and rating their gifts. Some were becoming proud of the gifts that they had. Others felt like they had nothing to offer because they couldn't speak in tongues or speak in prophecy. So they felt like they didn't belong, like they weren't important, like they shouldn't maybe come along to church anymore. Paul wanted the Corinthians and us to know that we are all uniquely gifted and uniquely perfectly placed in the positions we're in, at the time we're in, to build up the church. No one is unimportant. Isn't that a strange thing in verse 15? Crazy, isn't it, to think, now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to part of the body. It's a crazy thing. What a crazy thing, that, a crazy foot that would be to say such a silly thing. And then you've got the other thing. Uh, if, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Look, if we all had the same gifts, then we would be lacking such important things. Sounds like a strange idea for a foot to say that kind of thing. It's not the sort of thing you would say, is it? I bet you've never said, oh, I could never preach like Daff, so I I don't think I belong in leading a life group. Maybe you've you've never said anything like, "Um, because I'm not as quick at answering questions at life group, maybe I don't belong here. Maybe, maybe you've never said anything like, because I can't teach as well as that person, I don't belong on the adventurer's team. 
Maybe you've never said anything like, because I don't sing as loudly as that person or as beautifully as that person, I really don't belong to be in this church. Maybe you've never thought, because I don't pray as well as that person, I shouldn't come along to the prayer meeting. Well, maybe you have. Maybe it isn't such a strange thing that the, the, the foot would say that, because I think we say that kind of thing all the time, don't we? We, look, we compare ourselves to other people's gifts, and we say, well, I'm not like them, I'm not as good as them, so I'm not really needed. I'm surplus to requirements. But that's the opposite of what God is saying is here. You've been gifted by God in a unique way to serve the church at this time to build it up. And only you can do it. You are unique. You are placed by God uniquely at this time for his purposes. You are God's widget placed in the church at this time for his glory. If you weren't here, the church would be weaker and we would be struggling without you. That's what it's saying. So let's not look to the gifts of the people around us. Instead, let's look at what God has given us that we can do to build up the church around us. So no one is unnecessary. Everyone is needed. But no one is too important. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you, in verse 21. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. If the head says to the feet, I don't need you, he's not going to get anywhere. It needs the feet. So we can't be proud about the gifts that we have and say, look, my gift is so important. I don't need you. I could say I'm the preacher. Most important part of us in the gathering, right? No. If somebody didn't turn up to set, set the seats out, most of you wouldn't be here. All these things work together for the sake of God's glory. No one is too important. And then no one is dispensable. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unrepresentable, we treat with special modesty. While our presentable parts, we, we, need, we need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. Now, that's really, really important thing. I was thinking about how this kind of thing applies to church life. And as I was thinking about that, I was thinking that... that Church teams are not designed to work in the same way that teams in the world work. Now, most of you work, you might work, you probably work a job somewhere in a team context. Maybe you're leading a team or you're part of a team. And there's all kinds of pressure to be the most efficient team you can possibly be, isn't there? You're always looking at who may be the weakest link, and you're worried that maybe you're the weakest link, and you don't want anyone to see that you're the weakest link. Because if they see that you're the weakest link, they'll get rid of you and replace you with someone that's better than you, right? That's how you think. That's how we're trained to think in the world. But that's not how it's to be in the body, in the church of God. It's not supposed to be functionally, efficiently perfect in the same way the world is. Now, it is functionally perfect in every way because God has designed it to be. But it doesn't work in the same way that the world works. You see, it may be if you're leading a team here in church, uh, and there might be someone that slows you down as a team because they're always asking those awkward questions and you just wish they would stop. Maybe they have the spiritual gift of slowing you down, making you think through things a little more carefully. Maybe there are people that you have to accommodate in your team in a way that you wouldn't even bother if you were at work. And you think, you know what, if I could just get rid of them from my team, the team would work so much better. Well, maybe God has placed them in your team to help you grow in patience and love. 
See, it's not supposed to, we're not supposed to be efficient for the sake of being efficient. We're supposed to be concerned about building one another up in love and growing in love and to bear with one another in love. And you can't bear with one another in love or grow in that if, you've got, if, if people don't bug you, if people don't get on the wrong side of you, if people aren't, don't sometimes make mistakes or, 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 or drop the ball sometimes. We're not looking for perfection. We're looking for, 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 for everyone to be involved in some way for the sake of building the body. And that's how church teams should work. And God has worked it out that way. Verse 28. So there should be no division in the body. But that, it's, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, then every part rejoices within it. See, the thing about the human body is it's a wonderful thing when it's working, Right? When, when one part of your body stops working, the whole, part, the whole of your body suffers, doesn't it? You know, last year I was, you know, I was out. I won't talk about it in great detail, but you know, I had a kidney problem. It's not all fine now, no problems at all. But, but the point that my kidney didn't work properly. I had, I had something growing on it. You know, the thing is I've got two kidneys, so perhaps I didn't even need that kidney. But because that kidney wasn't working, my whole body suffered. I couldn't think straight. I couldn't eat right. I couldn't behave in the right way. I couldn't do the work that I was supposed to do because one part of my body was struggling. And that's the same in the church family. If the church family is working together, is serving together, knows where they fit in in the church body, if they they know they're part of the family and they're growing together, then the body will be healthy. But if we have members of our church family that don't know how they fit in, who struggle to know where they belong, who, who, who aren't growing, then we are all suffering with that person. We are all suffering, and then we should all strive to make our body as healthy as possible. The church, in the, the, the church is a body where all its parts fit together. What does that mean? That means we need you. That means your life group needs you. That means on, on Tuesday night when, when you're thinking about going to life group or whether you're going to watch that next box of Netflix or whatever it is that you're thinking of watching, and you're thinking, well, they don't really need me tonight. This passage is saying, no, actually, no, no, your, your life group needs you. Your life group suffers when you're not there. The prayer meeting on, on Tuesday night, it's so easy to think of that as a night off. So easy to do that. But actually, this tells us that you are valuable in the life of prayer of this church. If you're not present at church, the church suffers as a result of that. You are needed. You are required. Don't ever believe the lie that you're surplus to requirements. Or because we're a big church, you can just sit at the back without being involved. If you don't get involved, the church is weaker because of it. We need you. But it's not just that. It's also that you need us. God has designed it so that you would be in a church family, that you would be in a body. And the way that you grow in your Christian walk is by serving in a way that builds others up. It's not just about building myself up. You know, you can, you can stay at home, you can listen to John Piper sermons, and you can listen to Tim Keller, you can listen to your favorite preacher every day. You can sing the favorite Hillsong stuff on, on, or whatever it is that you like to listen to. Now, you could do all that stuff at home. Why bother coming to church? Well, you come to church because God has designed you to fit in a body. 
God has designed you to be the little finger of the hand of this church. The church is stronger with you, and you are weaker without the church. Together, we are part of the body. And we should be concerned with every member, and every member uses their gifts for the sake of building up the church. So we've got one spirit, different gifts. You've got one body, many parts. And the last thing I want to say is God is building, so eagerly explore. You see, we're told in verse 27, now you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is part of it. And God has placed you in the church. First, first of all, the apostles, second, the prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. You see, God has been sending his people in the church for, for, for 2,000 years. He's been sending gifted people to build up his church, to be part of what he's doing in this world. And, and the church has never been lacking the people that it's needed because God is building and he's sending many gifted people. But then he goes on, just answer these questions in your head that he says in verse 29, just in your head. Are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all work miracles? No. Do all have gifts of healing? No. Do all speak in tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. But in God's grace, at God's time, some will. When it's necessary, when God needs his people to do that, they will. The answer of all of them is no. Not everyone has the same spiritual gift. Everyone has different gifts. So don't worry about how other people are gifted. But be concerned in finding out what you can do and how you can serve to build up the body of Christ. Then we're told in verse 31, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. And what are the greater gifts? Well, we'll go on to think about those things. But I think the the first way to answer that question is the greater gift is wherever you can serve the church the best. Where can you be placed in the body of the church to build the church up using the things that that God has gifted you to do? Where can you best fit to have the maximum effect on helping people grow? Well, how do you find that gift? Well, there's just a few bits of advice for you. First thing is to pray. Ask the Lord that he would reveal that gift to you that he would show you how he has gifted you. Or maybe you could ask for a specific gift. There's nothing wrong with that. Paul encourages that as well. If there's something that you want to do, you have a desire for it, pray that the Lord might gift you in that area. He might not, but he may. So pray, ask. And then ask others. Go to the person, people in your life group or the people that you're in, you serve in, in different clubs. What do you think I'm good at? Where do you think I could serve? I can't see anywhere that I, I could possibly fit. Where do you think I could go? Where do you see me fitting in? Ask others. And this one was the one that I probably found the most useful when I was trying to figure out my gifts. It's just try things out. Try lots of things. Do all kinds of things. Don't say no to anything. Say yes to everything. Try, try, try again. You'll fail at some and you will succeed at others. And, and then you will be able to see the kinds of things that God has given you. And if you do try things out, don't just do the things you think you can do. Try out some of the things that you don't think you can do. It's a spiritual gift after all. It's a miraculous gift from your heavenly father. Maybe he's gifted you in ways that you can't possibly even imagine. And we also need to be encouraged. So maybe if you're a leader within a, in, in, a, in a ministry in the church, maybe you could think about how you could encourage the members of your team so that they could know how vital they are to your ministry. Because the likelihood is there'll be people in all of our teams 
who are thinking to themselves, I don't really belong here. I'm not really any good. I'm not really any use. Is there a way in which we can encourage them? Maybe send, think about every member in your team. Maybe send them a text message. It just says, you are valuable for this reason. Thank you for serving in the church. Encourage one another. But then also be discerning in your encouragement. Um, Alan is a fantastic drummer. But I'm not sure he's probably going to be as good at leading at singing. And we need to be honest with Alan about that later on after, after the group. We need to be honest with him. We need to be honest about our encouragement. Look, I, I don't think that is your gift. Have you tried this? Maybe go off into this area as well. And then finally, try, try, try again. And you will find in your trying to serve the church and to serve others, you will grow. And as you grow, the church will grow around you. You don't have to be great at everything, but you do need to be willing to serve for the sake of building up the church. Now, maybe you're a a non-Christian here today. You've kind of come along and you're thinking, I don't really know how this all applies for me. Well, let me just paint a little picture for you. How would you love to be part of what God's doing in this world? See, God is doing something awesome and amazing. He, he says that he's making a, building a kingdom for himself. He's building a kingdom of people. And, and he's going to display his glory to all the nations through it. And then one day he's going to return. And, 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 and this thing that looks like a, a broken bunch of people now, the church, is going, to be, is going to be transformed in such a beautiful way. It's going, to be, it's going to put God's glory on display to the whole of creation. And if you're not a believer today, you're not a part of that plan. You may be gifted in all kinds of ways, but you don't have a spiritual gift. You don't have a God-given gift to be part of this glorious thing that he's doing. And the invitation to become a Christian, the invitation to, 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 to call Jesus Christ Lord, is also an invitation to be part of this glorious thing that he is doing. And if you were to do that today to call Jesus your Lord, to call upon him as your Savior, then you will be part of that glorious plan. He will gift you as well, and you can be on this journey. You can be part of what God's doing. So let's go back to our band problem for a moment. Jason, this is how I'd reply. Jason, your drumming builds up the church. Please stick to it. Alan, I'm sure you're a lovely singer in heaven, um, but here on earth, please bless us with your percussions. Guys, Musicians, you're wonderful and skilled in all kinds of different ways. Don't waste your time all trying to do the same thing. Bless us with the beauty of the, of, the, of the different types of instruments that you play. And remember, it's not about you and what you want to do. It's how God has gifted you to serve the church. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you have gifted your people in unique ways. We thank you, Father, for every person that sat in this room right now who knows and loves you, who calls you Lord. We thank you, Father, because we know that every one of those people has been gifted for the sake of blessing the rest of us. Each of us has gifts that we can use to build one another up. And it's maybe that we don't see that, but I pray, Father, that we would by faith believe it tonight. We would trust that you are working in our lives for the sake of doing something wonderful for your kingdom. Lord, would you help us to love your glory so much, to love your church so much, that we would set out on a journey to find those gifts, to develop them, to build them, 
to build on them, to, to, to use them for the sake of helping others grow in their walk. And whatever it may be, may we rejoice in it and encourage one another in it for the sake of your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.